0: And we're in part two of a series called Wild Beasts, Wild Beasts. And basically, the the theme of this series is the struggles that we face and the strength that we find. The struggles we face and the strength we find. Basically, we're talking about temptation. We're talking about the things that want to draw us away from God's plans and purposes for our life and into something far less than God's best. That's the idea. That there's so many things fighting for our attention, so many things fighting for our life and for our focus and for what we think matters and all of these things. And and there's this reality that as we follow God, there's going to be temptation drawing us away from God and into lesser things. And so we're trying to learn how to combat those things, how to fight against temptation Last week, we basically opened up the conversation uh, by talking about who or what uh, temptation comes from. And we talked about that there's a very real enemy of the Christian that hates your guts. He wants you to, to just ha- have a miserable life and never experience God's best. And so everything he does is to, to try to get you to walk away from God. And we talked about how, how, how Satan is a master in judo, right? This idea that, that uh, Satan uses your own strength or your own weakness rather against you so there's things in your life that that you struggle with there's things in your life that you're prone to and the enemy knows that he wants to exploit those things and he wants your own desires to be your downfall that's kind of the idea of judo it's using your opponent's strength against them and that's what the enemy wants to do he wants to cripple you because there's things that you are sort of naturally drawn to or prone to. He wants to exploit those things and ultimately destroy you. So now tonight, as we continue the conversation, we're, we're going to get a little bit more specific, a little bit more practical, and talk about some temptations that we may face. And I've titled this message, if you take notes, Take the Exit. Take the exit is what we'll be talking about. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 12, it says this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And then he says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And then he says in verse 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. Let's pray together, and then we'll talk about it. Father, we thank you again for your word. We ask that you would speak to us now, that you would be our teacher. And Lord, you would help us as we talk about temptations and the struggles that we face. God, we we pray that you would give us the strength that we need to overcome it. And, Lord, all of us in this room, we can relate, we can identify to this reality of temptation, being drawn away from the goodness of who you are and the goodness of what you have. So, God, give us strength. Help us to identify the things that where we're weak so that we can find strength in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the exit. That's a phrase that um, Siri will often shout if you've got her open in the maps when you're driving. <laughs> And the, the thing about her, I don't know if you've noticed this, it's always, if you drive, if you don't drive, you probably have never noticed this, but if you do drive and you've got the maps open and you're following her go- guidelines and you hear her say, take the exit, usually it's a little bit too late. <laughs> like if she could say it like maybe 10 seconds earlier, life would be great, but then she's like, take the exit. And you're like, wait, now? And it's like, you missed it. It's like, take the now, no, 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 take the exit! And you're like, what? You couldn't have said that a few seconds earlier? Like, that would have been really great. There was this one time where um, my whole family was in a car and we were going to see a concert, and we're on our way, classic Siri, right? We're driving, and all of a sudden, the, the exit's like right there, we're passing the exit. She's like, take the exit. I'm like, really? So my dad's driving, he slams on the brake, right? Slams on the brakes. And we realize, like, if we don't get this exit, then it's going to be, like, a long time before we ever get to where we're going, and we're going to miss, like, the opening act, and it's going to be a disappointment. And my my dad would never do this, but my mom is, like, the person that would be like, Jim, you need to fix this right now. So So he slams on the brakes, and no lie, we're in the middle of the road. Kids, do not try this at home or in your car or anywhere else. He puts it in reverse and backs up, like, like a football field length. Like he missed it like big time, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he puts it in reverse on the highway and re- like put- reverses it all the way back and he's just like, I swear if I get a ticket, like he was like so, just, I don't want to do that. All the way back till he gets to the exit, like <laughs> so slow, you know, like turns it over and then books it and takes the exit. And we get there, we see the opening act, we see the band. It's amazing. The idea is the shout is take the exit and right here, right now, no matter what, you need to get off. And the reason I bring that up is because the Apostle Paul, as he writes this portion of Scripture, is kind of that is the imagery a little bit. If he could drive and if he had Siri and there were freeways, that is the imagery a little bit that he's trying to explain he's saying when it comes to temptation there is an escape you have to take that escape and no matter what it takes no matter what it costs whatever you can do to take that exit if it's put it in reverse on the freeway backing up a hundred yards in order to take the exit he's saying take the exit You, you got to find a way to get out of Whatever that thing is that's pulling you away from God and into something that is ultimately harmful to you and will keep you from experiencing the thing that God has for you. And so Paul says, with every temptation, he says, there's a way of escape. I like to think about it like uh, you're in a room, not this room because it doesn't have one, but you're in a room and there's an exit sign. And the idea here is there is an exit. God always provides an exit. You have to choose to see it and you have to choose to use it. You have to. He says that there are temptations that come. There are temptations that come, and there is an escape. You can overcome your temptation. He literally uses the word, he says, no temptation has overtaken you. That idea there is to sort of grab hold of or to to overcome or to overtake where you are now crippled by this thing. And he says, no temptation has tackled you to the ground except for that which is common to man. And then he says, but with every temptation, there is always a way to escape. Now, what I want you to notice in this text is that he uses this phrase, common to man. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except for that which is common to man. And what he does when he brings up this idea of common to man is he's saying that the temptations that you face and the struggles that you face, you're not the only one dealing with those struggles, that's what he wants, wants us to understand. He says the, the temptation that you face, I, I'm not knocking it. I'm try, not trying to belittle it. I'm not trying to take away from it. There are temptations that we face. They're real. They're difficult. They're overwhelming. They're trying to take us down. But the Apostle Paul says no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. He's saying and in the text leading up to this basically he brings up a case and he says that every time the nation of Israel or the people of God have found themselves in a difficult situation God always provides a way through it and a way out of it. His God is faithful. And will always provide a way of escape. But he's saying that there are people that have dealt with the difficulties and the struggles and the fears and the emotions and the temptations that you faced. You're you're not the only one. You're not alone. You're not isolated. You're not the only one experiencing those things. And, And so what I want us to do with our time together is talk about what are common temptations. What are common temptations? He says, no temptation is overtaking you except for that which is common to man. In other words, other people deal with the same temptations. So what I want to do is I want to break down four temptations that I believe are common to man. Four temptations that probably all of us can identify with. I was thinking about this, and earlier in the week, I was thinking about maybe breaking it down between like temptations that are common for men and temptations that are common for women. And I asked Hannah, like, hey, what are, what are some things that are like regular temptations? And she gave me really great feedback. But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, let's just go things that are common for all of us. Temptations that we, as a human being, you struggle with. Well, what are some of the temptations that are common to men? The first thing I wrote down, if you want to write this down, it is pride. A temptation that is common to man is pride. Now, pride, to basically put it as simply as possible, is to, tr- to put trust and confidence in our own power, ability, and resource. Pride is to say, I don't need anybody else. I can do this by myself. Pride is saying, I can I can find solution, I can find strength, I can find whatever it is. I'm putting trust and confidence in my own power or my own ability or my own resource. It is a self-dependence and reliance. It's saying, I don't need your correction. It's saying, I don't need your help. I don't need your input. <laughs> I don't need your thoughts on the matter. I couldn't, quite frankly, I couldn't care less. I'm gonna do it my way. And pride elevates itself, elevates the person over everybody else and says, "Do you know what, I'm good up here, and I'm going to look down my nose at everybody else, but I'm doing just fine, and I don't need you. And pride, what it does is it creates an individualism in our world and an individualism in our hearts. Now, when I say individualism, I'm not saying don't be unique. God has created every single one of you to be unique. But what I am saying is don't be alone. God wants you to be unique. God has created each and every one of you unique, different from the person next to you with different interests and and abilities and hobbies and goals and dreams and plans and purposes, all of that. God has made you unique, and you can be unique. Just don't be alone. Our world today so often is created this culture, this world of individualism. Nobody needs anybody else. Do it your own way. Don't ask for help. In fact, we live in a world where it's at times offensive to get help or to offer help. How dare you offer me your help? I can do this. I know what I'm doing. I'm in control. I'm in charge. I have this. And it creates pride in our hearts. That I don't need anybody else. I'm just going to figure this out. I'm just going to get through it. I'm just going to find my own way. And I believe this is why we have so much doubt and anxiety in our culture today. The reason is because we look at it and we say, I have to figure this out by myself. The problem is, I can't figure it out by myself. So now I'm overwhelmed by my situation because how could I, one person, with my abilities, with my knowledge, with my experience, actually be able to overcome those things? And what happens is we feel completely alone. We feel like we have to conquer whatever it is in our life by ourselves. Therefore, I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed, I have doubt, I have anxiety, and I can't do it by myself. We're overwhelmed because we feel like whatever it is we're facing, we've got to do it by ourselves, and that's created just by pride, saying I don't need anybody else, but the reality is you do need somebody else. And we all feel like we have to do it on our own, and we're too weak to do it on our own, but we're unwilling to get help, and it causes anxiety. But I also think that this pride causes doubt in God. And what I mean by that is I think so many of us, we've had doubts about who God is, or we have doubts about what God's like, or we've even had doubts about the abilities of God or the strength of God. And the reason for that is we find ourselves in situations that we can't overcome, we try on our own to overcome those situations. When we try and fail, we project that onto God, and now we say, God didn't help me in my difficult circumstance, when the reality is is we try to do it on our own, and of course we failed, of course we couldn't do it, and now there looks to be like there's a hole in God, but the reality is you didn't turn to God. You tried to do it yourself and failed, and now God looks like he failed. And so there's all these doubts. We have doubts in God. We have doubts in other people. We have doubts in ourselves. And all of it, I believe, stems from an unwillingness to simply turn to God and to other people for help. Let me tell you, when it comes to temptation, one of the things the enemy is going to want to do is to make you think you have to get through it alone. To make you think that you're the only one that struggles like that. You're the only one that feels that way. You're the only one that has that desire. What he's doing is he's puffing puffing you up with pride, making you think that I have to get this on my own. You can't get it on your own. You can't do it on your own, but you force yourself to be alone, and we try, and we try, and we fail. It's pride, and it's common to man. The second thing I would say was common to man is lust. Lust. Lust is uh, basically a desire or a craving for what is forbidden. Desire or craving for what is forbidden. Now, let me say right off the bat, desire and craving, not bad things. Not bad at all. To have a desire for something. Like, I it, deep down have a desire. And I'm not just talking about like a desire for fast food or a craving for fast food. Like, that, that, that's its own set of issues that we need to pray about. <laughs> Like there's that time, it's usually late at night, and you're like, how come all I want is a double cheeseburger from McDonald's? And like I've been good all day, and I've been eating right, and I've been exercising, but it's 1130, and I'm telling you what, a Big Mac will hit the spot. It's a different, different set of desire and cravings. The idea here of desire and craving, lust, when it speaks of it in the Bible, it's towards something that is forbidden, especially towards our sexual appetites, is the idea when it comes to lust. And this can show itself in all types of ways. It can be through pornography. It can be from TV. It can be from social media. It can be in physical relationships. It can be through texting or Snapchat, whatever it is. What it is, is it's this deep desire for something or someone that is forbidden. Forbidden primarily because, uh, check the second finger from the left on your left hand, and for most of y'all, there's not a ring on it. And so forbidden... Because, because there's so, there, God has created a relationship, this sacred relationship called marriage that is designed to be a special unit between husband and wife that come together in the marriage covenant designed by God for God that is good. But the enemy wants you to have things that God has not intended for you to have yet. And there will be these desires and these feelings and these emotions that will draw you out of God's plan and thinking that this is going to make you happy and satisfied and content and feel good. But the reality is the devil is a liar and wants to keep you from the plan and the, the, the good thing that God has for you. And the enemy will, will pull on these desires, will, will pull on these things, in a setting and a context that is not the way God intended it. Let me tell you, having desire is good. Even having this type of desire is good for the right person in the right context. It's what you do with that desire that can be harmful. A pastor by the name of Levi Lusco, who if you guys go with us to the Forward Conference, he'll be there. He says this, having a sex drive is not the problem, but letting sex drive is. And what he's saying is that there's desires that God has given you, and in the right context, it is a very good thing, but outside of God's context, outside of God's intention, it is harmful and crippling and keeping you from experiencing what God truly has for you, the joy and the peace and the fulfillment that God has. And the temptation both guys and girls that is common is lust. It is to, is to break outside of the way God intended it, And it can happen all sorts of ways. It can be by yourself on your phone when nobody's around. It could be on your phone texting or snapping somebody that probably shouldn't or talking about things you shouldn't or sending things you shouldn't or watching something on the TV or thinking, whatever it is, this desire in us that is driving us away from what God has for us, lust. Third thing I would say, not only pride and lust, but is self-image. Self-image, a temptation that is common for man. I almost just fell on this microphone. (laughs) Common for man, self-image. The idea is looking a certain way or appearing a certain way. Often we want people to think of us a certain way, and so we promote ourselves and even put others down to make ourselves look better. And we do this either through gossip or how we present ourselves on social media, or how we like or don't like photos. Like, How many of you know you are intentional with the photos you do like and the photos you don't like? You're like, this person gave me a bad look in the hallway. I am definitely not double tapping that photo. And what this is, it's this, it's this appearance, it's this drive within us to look a certain way, to appear a certain way, to think or act a certain way. And so what we do is in order to promote ourself, we have to push down other people. We have to say like, yeah, but this person, they're so whatever it is. And by doing that, when we put them down, somehow it makes us feel like we're a little bit better than they are. And so in order for us to have that image that we want, that, that appearance that we want, I'm not just talking about physical appearance appearance, appearance. I <laughs> don't whatever that means. Um, I'm not just talking about physical looks. I'm talking about our whole when, when people think about us, what is the image that they think about? Do you think, man, that person's so funny? The person they always say the funny, or that person's just so cool. They've always got the coolest style. And that person's so strong, or that person's so beautiful, or that person's so whatever, and we want that appearance. And in order for us to maintain that appearance, we will do whatever it takes, whether it's through promotion of ourself or putting down of other people to make sure that we look the way that we want to either look or very simply be perceived as. How many of you know that that's basically what social media is? Instagram is to... Make your life, or make people perceive that your life is better than it is. We only post our vacation or our delicious. We don't post the mac and cheese or the Big Mac that we ate at eleven thirty at night. <laughs> Maybe some some of us might. But but it's it's this idea like we want to we want people to perceive man that person's life they're so so exciting their life is so fun they man they're always traveling they're always. Doing this, they're always, man, their life is so good. And what we want is people to think of us that way. And there's a temptation in all of us to promote self and pull down other people. Final thing I would say pride, lust, self image, but then idolatry. Idolatry. Paul, uh, in the final verse that we read there in verse 14, he says, The temptations that are common to man, he says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And I think the reason he brings up this idea of idolatry is because it kind of s- summarizes all temptation. What idolatry is, it is putting too much value on insignificant things. What idolatry is, is to put something in the, on, sort of on the top shelf of your life that probably doesn't even belong on the shelf to begin with. It's to put something that that is is not significant, that doesn't have that much value, but put it as the most important thing in our life. And sometimes, yeah, that is something that doesn't belong on the shelf. But other times it's just things that it just doesn't belong that high on the shelf. Like There's things that, yeah, that's a good thing. It's a nice thing. It's a it's an important thing, but it's not the important thing. It's not the most important thing. And idolatry is putting something or or, or giving your life to something that ultimately doesn't matter. And only, listen, only Jesus should have the throne of our heart. Only God should be the top in our life. And other things, they, they creep in. They try to make themselves more important. And you find what's important to you by basically what you spend your time with or on or what you pour your money into or, or, or what you find yourself around the most. Uh, I mean, that you want to find out what's most important to your life? Like, check your screen time history on your phone. Golly, I just set that up recently. Worst decision of my life. I'm like, it's like, you've been on the phone for 80 hours today. I'm like, how is that even possible? <laughs> how did I do that? And, and you find, like, this, this is what your value is. And so what we need to do is make sure that God is first in our life. Idolatry is putting things in the wrong place. And I love what Paul tells us how to deal with idolatry. He says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry the idea is book it the idea is is to use the illustration from beginning is to put it in reverse and to floor it until you get back on the right exit is to go I am I am heading in a direction I'm heading with a goal and ambition or desire or feeling that is leading me away from where I know God wants me to go and so rather than just well it's doesn't seem that big a deal. I'll get there eventually. It's a roundabout way, whatever. You no, know, the, the Apostle Paul and God would say to you, no, put that thing in reverse. <laughs> Flee from the direction you're going. Find the exit, take the exit, and go in the direction that God wants you to go in. Listen, Paul tells that all of these temptations are all common, and this is the key. God has given you a way to escape. Maybe as we were talking through those temptations, you're like, "Yeah, that's me," or, or, or one struggle, and you're like, "Yeah, I, I, that's kind of, I just struggle with lust. That's me," or, or it's yeah, I just self-image. I'm all I can think about is how people perceive me. I can't walk into a room and not feel like people are looking me up and down and thinking about my outfit and thinking about if my smile's right or thinking about if, if I'm saying that or I walk away from a conversation like, oh, I'm so stupid, I can't believe I said that and, and, and I'm just obsessed with self-image or, or it's pride, I don't need anybody and I'm by myself and I'm going to get through it and I'm gonna, or it's idolatry and I've got this thing in my life. Whatever it is, God has given us a way to Escape. The solution, ready? Sunday school answer. You ready for it? The solution is Jesus. The solution is Jesus. You can write this down. This is the key right here. This is, this is the message. This is what I want you to understand. As your satisfaction with Jesus increases, your desire for these temptations decrease. As your satisfaction with Jesus increases, increases your desire for these temptations decrease worship team you guys can come back up here I'm closing this idea of of satisfaction with Jesus is to be so content and so fulfilled and with what God has for you that the desire the feeling the draw the 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 that that longing for things that are outside of what God has for you, it just begins to melt away. It begins to disappear. I've heard it said a long time ago, I think probably when I was around your guys' age, I was at a camp, and uh, they were talking about how the problem so often when it comes to overcoming just things that we deal with is we get focused on the thing that we deal with. What I mean by that is we like, we go home and we're like, maybe our thing's pride. Like we're too prideful and we're always thinking about ourselves. And then we go home and we think about, okay, how can I overcome my pride? What, what do I need to do? What is my plan? How am I? And what's, it's all about me, 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 me. And so we're still find pride even when we're trying to deal with our pride. It's like all about me still. And, and what they told me at this camp was it's, Maybe spend less time thinking about what your temptation is and spend more time thinking about who Jesus is. And if you find yourself just with Jesus and around him and in the things that he has for you and reading your Bible and praying and talking with other Christians and in worship and in church and and doing the things that God wants you to be doing, what you find is those temptations, they begin to melt away because you're you're beginning to become more content with Jesus. Like, yeah, this is He's who I need. This is what I want. This is where all of these desires—they're pulling me away—and I just need to focus on Him and His plans and what He has for me. But listen, when those temptations come, they will. Probably, I bet you tonight you guys will walk out the store. You'll go home before you lay your head on your pillow. There'll be some sort of temptation. It'll be—it'll be like that person. They—they they don't even like your last photo. Ignore them. Just be a jerk. or or you'll get in bed, and you'll think about that thing, and you'll be like, I can't get it out of my head, and pretty soon your mind's going all all sorts down these rabbit holes thinking about things you probably shouldn't be thinking about. Temptation, right? Now, again, we talked about this last week. Having temptation, being tempted is not a sin. The devil wants you to think that being tempted is a sin. It's not a sin. All of us, Jesus was tempted, and yet without sin. So you can be tempted. It's what you do with that temptation, it's how, you, it's how you look at that temptation. It's how you either long for that temptation or act with that temptation. So we're going to deal with temptation. The key for us is to take the exit. Is to learn to get out of the situation. This week I was, uh, I think it was Sunday. After church, Hannah and I w- went up to the beach, and uh, I went surfing, and the waves were really small. It was a beautiful day. Sun was out. Like the, Up until this point, I'd been wearing a wetsuit whenever I'd surf. The water, I mean, it's still kind of cold, but the sun was out. I'm like, I got to go in trunks. Like It's just too nice to not be in trunks. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of those beautiful <laughs> days. So I paddle out. So the waves are small. It's like maybe waist high, like nothing scary, nothing harmful, just like a normal day, super easy. It's cruising. Doing my thing, having the, just a ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, this is this is a great day. This is a Sunday. Just having a nice time, and all of a sudden I hear, "Help! Help!" And I look up on the on, on the pier, and there's a guy looking down, pointing at somebody, and going, "They need your help! Help!" And so me and one other guy, like, jump into action. We're like, we don't know what's happening, but we're going to just go towards it, I guess. And so we just start paddling as fast as we can over And what we realize is that there's three kids that had gotten swept out a little bit because it got deep really quick. And they're really quickly getting deeper, and and they can't swim that well. And they're struggling. One kid's by themselves, and then the older one had decided that he was, wanted to be the hero, and he tried to help his little brother, whoever it was. But then his little brother, panicking, was like pushing him down. And so him trying to be the hero is actually in the worst situation because his brother's like freaking out, pushing him underwater. So we paddle over as fast as we can, and the one kid that was by himself jumps on the board. And then the other two, the ones that I was right next to them, and I put my board out to him, but he wouldn't get on the board. He was just too freaked out to get on the board. He was like, help, help, help. And I'm like, buddy, get on the surfboard. <laughs> just grab on to the surfboard. You'll be good. And he was freaking out. He wouldn't let go. And finally, we got them both on the surfboards. We separated them and got them on the surfboards. And we able to just, I mean, I was literally walking into the beach. Like, it wasn't that deep. It wasn't that scary. It was like maybe this deep. I've got them on the surfboard just kind of walk, walking them in. And in this moment, they're, they're terrified for their life, right? They think this is it. The kids like the kids like I was trying to help my brother. I'm like, dude, you did great. Like he, was, I was like, he was just he was just panicked. He didn't know what to do. Like you saved him. Like good job, you did great. <laughs> and he's like, I did. I'm like, yeah, you literally. It was really good. <laughs> but we we I pushed him in and just. Got them to the beach and they like ran off. Like, all right, we're good. Ran up to their parents. I don't know where their parents were. Or what what was happening? But it's like, all right. So we paddled back out. But just thinking about like the surfboards right there. They're drowning. Brother's pushing them down. He's freaking out. And it's like, just let stop and grab onto the surfboard. Just hold on to it. And I will I will push you to the beach. It will be over. You'll be fine. So let go. Grab onto the surfboard. Let's go to the beach. And and our, like we look at it like, duh, just grab on the surfboard. <laughs> and yet so often, so often, there we are in temptation. There we are being drawn outside of the plans, outside of the goodness of God, into something that that is harmful, into something that's dangerous, into something that that, that will keep us from experience all that God has for us. And God's there, like, buddy, just grab onto the, just grab on. Just take the exit. here's the way to escape. Just turn to me, look at me, hold on to me, trust in me, go in my direction and you will overcome. There is a way to escape. But how often do we ignore God's escape route, ignore God's exit plan? We get so focused on the thing that's tempted, we end up falling into temptation. When God was there the whole time saying, just grab on, just hold on, just turn to me. Let me tell you, whatever your t- temptation is, whatever your struggle that you face is, there is strength in God. You've got to turn to him. Man, I, I, I would say maybe put this verse to memorize. To Memorize memorize this verse. <laughs> Whew, the band needs to play soon. Memorize this verse. Maybe you feel that temptation and say, do you know what? No temptation has overcome me except for that which is common to man with every temptation, because God is faithful, there's a way of escape. Just say it. Just think about it. God, is, God has given me. He's provided a way for me to escape. And I know I said I'd let the band play, but I just want to end with one little encouragement. Is that okay? Yeah. One little thought will be done, I promise. Some of us here have failed time and time and time and time again when it comes to temptation. For many of us, we can say, yeah, it's one thing. Like uh, every, every time this temptation comes knocking on my door, I will open the door, welcome him in, say, like, let's have a party. <laughs> Let me tell you that God loves you even when you fail. That God will still show up and give you that wide open exit sign. That wide open, hey, here is the way you should go. Every time God is there, God still has a plan for you. God still wants to help you overcome. And just because you failed before does not make you a failure. God still loves you. God still wants to help you. God's still faithful to you. He doesn't change his, his mind about you. He, he doesn't. His opinion about you doesn't vary or change. One of my favorite verses says, That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He he knew what he was getting when he died for us. He knew that we were sinners and failures, and just because we've said yes to him doesn't mean that every time we'll say no to sin. We'll still struggle, and yet God's still faithful. God still loves you, and he still wants to help you overcome whatever that is that you're dealing with. But with every temptation, there's a way to escape.